You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You know, early in the year, you're just so excited that you're going to get a football game in primetime that you'll watch it, you'll crave it, you'll need it, you'll flock to it. At least that's got to be the hope from the schedule gods because that theory is being tested tonight. Thursday night football, that juggernaut matchup you know you need. Carolina taking on the Houston Texans. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline, and you can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. College football back, so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Tonight, the fans of Spain and Fitz get what they deserve. Not just me, because let's face it, you deserve better than that. Matt Jones sitting in for Sarah Spain. She's on a beach somewhere just putting her feet up, relaxing, enjoying a birthday celebration with a friend. She gets a couple days off, and you, my friend, are kind enough to come in and help us break down this matchup, this juggernaut of a football game that the world knows it can't wait to watch between the undefeated Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans. Have I sold it well enough? You've sold it, sort of. Okay. Uh, I, I will say it looked worse, honestly. <laughs> no, I mean, it looked worse uh, before, before the season. You know, so I, for people who don't know across the country, why would you know? Uh, I own a sports bar. And so I look at the schedule to say, is anyone going to come to my sports bar for this game, right? And when I saw week three, Panthers-Texans, I thought, no, goodness, we're going to have to give away free food or something to get there. But now it's 2-0 and versus 1-1. and It's Darnold. It's Mills. Yeah. <laughs> well, still, still uh-huh. nobody's going to be here. But nevertheless, I do like football. I enjoy it. And I do think it's an interesting, if the Panthers can 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 go 3-0, and like that's a, that's a legit story. Well, no, you are right about that. And this Panthers team uh, looks like it's got a lot of building blocks to be really excited about. I, I was excited to see Sam Darnold away from Adam Gase, and so far that has lived up to the hype, obviously. Uh, but the Panthers are seeking— By the way, Adam Gase should just never be allowed to coach again, right? No. Like he leaves, he leaves Miami, Fitzpatrick gets—or excuse me, uh, Tannehill gets good— Jets, Darnold gets good. Like, he just needs to – he should be done after these last two uh, rounds. Like, there are certain times, you know, as you just said, you you own a sports bar. Like, uh, you know sometimes when you walk into a bar and you see that person in the corner of the bar that's so staggeringly good-looking, you realize you'll never meet a significant other, so you just leave the bar. That's essentially what Adam Gase should feel like every time he walks into coaching rooms at this point. He just walks in, he's like – my bad. I didn't know there were actual coaches here. And, uh, you know, all of that. I didn't say- understand that analogy, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah I didn't understand. You're saying you go into a bar yeah, if you and go into- someone is so staggeringly, staggeringly good looking that you think you'll never meet anyone on yeah, earth? Yeah. Like, if one guy goes, you got to know your, your, your placement in society, right, Matt? So, like, if I walk into a, okay. a bar and you're in the bar, and you let's say you and I meet in the bar, all right? But that's We're, a very pessimistic way to look at no, the no. world. If, if you, you see and I one walk, person and you go, I'm done. I can't, I can't compete. If ever. Tom Brady is in the same bar that I'm in, I'm leaving, right? Because there's just no shot that I'm meeting anybody. Like, Or I'm waiting for Tom to like work the room and figure out who like Tom isn't interested in. I think in. you're just talking about yourself. I think there's some, some narcissism that you need to be the most, the best looking person in a bar. I've got in most bars in my life, 
honestly, I feel like Groucho Marx. If I go in a bar and I'm the best looking person, I need to go to another no, bar. That's I'm not, not where I'm never be. the I'm never the best looking person. But if you walk into a bar and there's a supermodel in the corner of the bar, yes. like a male supermodel, and you're going in trying to meet the woman of your dreams, it's not going to happen. Like because you can't even upsell her. Like if if you're walking into a bar and you can't use the line "I'm in a band," then I'm done, right? Like so, if I walk into a bar and there's like a supermodel there, nobody's looking at me. Like I, I got no shot. So that's that's essentially so that's, that's Adam Gase. That's Adam Gase. He walks in and he's like, "Oh wait, there's an actual NFL coach in here. I can't tell anybody I used to be a coach, and I just walk out of the room." See what I'm doing here? Yeah, I mean, I, I no, but but uh. as far as for the actual game, <laughs> <laughs> since there is at some point a football game tonight, sure. I, we'll there are that. things to be interested in. Okay, you want to see how good are the Panthers? I mean, can they just take care of this? And then I want to, you know, we've talked about five rookies all off season. There's this other guy, this guy with a really long neck named Davis Mills, who plays, <laughs> who plays for, uh, who plays for Houston. And I want to see, like, where is he in all this? You know, if he, if you watched him last week, he looked shell shocked when he had to go in and did not play well. But now he's had a few days. He he was a person that the Patriots considered taking if Mac Jones was not there. They were going to take him in the second round. So let's see what he is. I think that's kind of interesting. Or am I, am I just trying to talk myself yeah, into it? Yeah, you're talking yourself into it. You know, you're, you're hopeful. Like, because, like you just said, he's got a few days. He didn't even get the glory of a full week to get ready no, for a Carolina defense that ranks right now, points per game, yards per play, sack percentage, uh, ranks number one in the NFL in all of those categories. So the, the Panthers' defense has actually done – a really nice job. And to that uh, to that extent, uh, Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter on Barton Hunt earlier, reminded us that the defense is really a huge part of why they're 2-0. and In the first two games, Darlington has been efficient, not necessarily to the point where he's making like crazy explosive plays. He's averaging eight yards per pass, three touchdowns, one interception. Like, he's been efficient. He has allowed the defense to win the games. So he still needs to have some big moments where – he puts the team on his shoulders before I'm going to sit here and say, you know, mm-hmm. Sam Darnold is the answer in Carolina, the comeback player of the year. That being said, I'm not trying to disregard what he has done. It's a nice start, mm-hmm. but, but <laughs> I'm going to give a lot of that credit to the defense. And that defense, by the way, is going to be facing a Texan team that likes to run the ball. The Texans have run 49% of their plays this season, designed runs. That's the third highest rate in the NFL. So uh, that being said, they're only averaging three and a half yards a rush, which is not great. That's in the lower third. So uh, this is sort of a, a you know scheme versus strength because you can't run so far this year on the Panthers. So it's going to be interesting because Davis Mills is going to have to actually come in and have a nice game for them to have a shot at winning. Well, he is, and I and I think I have no idea he's going to play. Don't get me wrong, but I am interested in watching it. I like to see something new. And otherwise, I mean, when I try to think about every every sports franchise, I try to think about like what is something that I care about with them. And honestly, the Panthers are one I struggle because even <laughs> though they're good, like I sit there and think like they're. I'm trying to think of other like for many years the Milwaukee Brewers were like that. I couldn't think of anything except Robin Yunt that had ever mattered to me about about them. I feel that way about the Panthers. With the exception of Cam Newton, I'm not sure I've ever really cared about much with them. And, and so I'm trying to find something to make me care now. Uh, here's the real question you mentioned earlier, like the bar. When you look at the schedule and you see that you've got a bad game on it, like do you come up with like a, a wild – like? Is there some wild like game oh, yeah. that you have? We have a promotion. A promotion? Giving $250 away at halftime. 
We hope that that makes people uh, come in. And that's usually pretty successful. But, like, you have to. People do. Nobody is sitting at their house going, you know what? Hey, hey. Tonight's tonight's Panthers Texans. We got to go out on the town. You know what I'm saying? Like get get the get the family. Let's go, honey. It's Panthers Texans. I am absolutely about to tweet out at Jason Fitz. We'll find out, and you guys can chime in. Triple H, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Like, what's the wild thing that would get you to go into the bar to watch a game that you have no interest in? We should, and I want like creative answers to this. Like, give me something absolutely insane. Like, I, Sam I, Darnold lookalike contest. Oh, now we're talking. I, all I keep thinking. And it was like Matt Jones just sitting there being like, all right, I'm wrestling a bear. Let's go. It's happening. Well, I'm si- just so you know, I'm sitting outside this bar right now, and every car that drives by, I'm holding up a sign that says, there's Panthers Texans in this room right here. If you guys get out of your car, in that building are Panthers Texans, and so far it hasn't worked. Oh, long, my God. But we'll see. We are just getting started on getting you set for this matchup, which I, so far I don't think we've sold very well. Good thing it's not no, on we the haven't. ESPN. Thankfully, we're not on the promo. <laughs> I don't think they're going to ask us to promo it. Coming up, we'll go from the pros to the college ranks. I'm trying to figure out if anybody is actually any good. We'll break it down for you next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. I was just, we're just going to start where we, we just were, Matt. I was telling Matt the story during the commercial about the fact that there was one bar in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, when I lived there for years, I didn't have the Sunday ticket. I went in the first Sunday of the year, and the Raiders were good at the time, too. And I was like, hey, uh, are you, I just said to the bartender, are you going to be here every weekend? And she said yes. And I was like, great. Uh, here's a bunch of money. Here's your tip for the, the whole season. I want this chair, this TV, and, and I want pattern. And like, she got the manager, and they agreed to Every Sunday I sat, the bleachers in uh, Route 96 uh, over there in Franklin, sat there on the corner, had the Raiders game on the same TV, got a drink every quarter as a quarter started. I got the same sandwich at halftime every week. Oh, it was, and the Raiders were pretty good that year. That was a delightful year for me. You know, when I hear that story, you just strike me as the kind of person – that either is going to be very successful or a serial killer because that's the kind of story of I need to have this seat every week, I need to have the same beer at each quarter, and I need to have the same sandwich. And uh, and that says to me you're somebody who – if you don't get what you like, things may not go well for everyone else. It's, you're, 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 you're the kind of person have – um, have you seen the movie It had Robin Williams in it? insomnia or something like that and he plays like a, a killer have you seen that no, i haven't seen i know what you're talking about well i, I think that's it. you is okay. my point you are, this, is that you're robin williams in that movie because he needs everything just so and when it's not he flips out that may be you i think i'm a man of the people frankly as i explained the other day i'm yes, a I, man of the people I, I, who I, says <laughs> i need to have this seat Every week with that channel and that sandwich, Look, that is certainly a man of the people. I am not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. And once things start working, I stick with it. All right? That's what happens. I stood all day, all game during the Raiders game on Sunday. I am pre- preparing to stand all Sunday uh, again as they take on the Dolphins. I think these these are part – that's part of my charm. Part of my- I'm interested in that Raiders-Dolphins game, by the way, because the Raiders feel like – and the Panthers may end up being this too. They both feel like teams that by next week could be three and zero, but I'm not sure if they're good or not because the Raiders can win this game, and the Dolphins be terrible because they don't have two, uh, et cetera. So I, I, I'm I don't know what we could have on Tuesday. 
the Raiders and the Panthers, 3-0, and and I'm still questioning whether or not those teams are even good. You know what? We are going to fight because the Raiders are very good, and that's hard to do from a distance. We'll get into the Raiders-Dolphins uh, matchup and why Matt Jones is completely wrong, but I, it's my job to pay off the tees, and I said before we were going to talk about college football. So let's get to some college football uh, as realistically. I'm just trying to figure out, seriously, uh, all kidding aside, Who's good? Like, yeah. there's this weird, and, and I heard Feinbaum the other day talking about, well, Alabama has shown weakness, and, and I disagreed with it. People were yelling at me, but I keep looking across the landscape, and I think you could make an argument that every team seems to have some flaws. Like, Florida was able to run all over Bama. Ohio State, anybody can, you and I can run on Ohio State at this point. Georgia really hasn't shown that they have any proof of concept on offense. Oklahoma looks like Spencer Rattler doesn't know what he's doing anymore. Like, I could go up and down the list. I feel like you could find flaws. So is this that all of it is parody in your mind, or is it no. that no? Not even close. Okay. Here's the thing. Alabama has set such a standard that they play a top 10 team on the road and win, and we go, well, you didn't win by enough. Thank you. I mean, a, t- a top 10 team on the road, you beat a top 10 team on, team on the road. That's impressive. I don't care what the final score was. So Alabama is good. Georgia is very good. Now, those two teams I'm going to put – as definitely good. Now, besides that, then I start to say, let's see. So, like, I feel pretty good that Penn State is good. But are they national championship good? No. I think Alabama and Georgia are the best two teams. I do think what's interesting is, for the first time, that next tier, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, they are all vulnerable, and we might get some different blood in the playoff, and that makes me excited. Yeah, I, I'm with you on the excitement portion of it, and uh, really on everything you just said. I mean, Alabama goes into the swamp and wins, and it wasn't by enough. And and you know, with a young quarterback that had never played a road game before, like what what do we what else we want from somebody? And when people say, "Well, you can run all over Alabama," I mean, remember Alabama had a game last year where they gave up like 48 points. You've always been able to score on Alabama, at least in the last five or six years. The thing is, they'll just score on you more. And we haven't seen that that is still not the case. Do you have any concern, though, about like Georgia's offense that hasn't necessarily yes. been on track? But I look at their schedule and I say, when is that concern going to matter to me? I mean, they, they won't play. You look at their schedule. They'll play Florida. That'll be a difficult game. You know, I'd like to argue maybe Kentucky will be difficult. There'll be a game here, a game there. But they're still going to they're going to go probably, unless they screw up, they're going to go 12-0. and So they could lose in the SEC championship, but they would still at that point make it to the playoffs. So I don't – Alabama's the best team. End of sentence. Georgia's the second best team. End of sentence. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, I think there's a lot of arguments amongst those teams. Is there an element of prove-it possibilities from A&M Arkansas? Like, I think A&M Arkansas has the opportunity to be a sneaky good game, especially with A&M dealing with quarterback issues, uh, health issues, and Arkansas's defense playing as well as it's played early on this season with Sam Pittman. Well, Arkansas is not a national title contender, but no. they might they might have a very good season. A&M's been the most disappointing team so far to me because – you know, you had Jimbo during the offseason saying, this is the year we take it to Alabama. Stop it. I mean, <laughs> they, you know, they barely beat Colorado. So A&M's been disappointing. With that said, the SEC West is so good that think about this. The team that comes in last in the SEC West may actually be a good team. I mean, Mississippi State's not bad. They beat NC State by about 1,000, and they're probably the worst team in the SEC West. So A&M, 
they may not lose to Arkansas, but they're going to drop a game in the SEC West somewhere, so I think you can dismiss them. Well, uh, they are going to drop a game in the West. My question is if that game is to Alabama. But, uh, I mean, they're going to drop one more besides that. Okay, I mean, even okay. They'll drop either Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss. They're going to drop one of those games. And I think they're not going to put three teams in the playoffs from the SEC. So let's just assume two of them are Georgia and Alabama. Then I think Penn State is in the driver's seat. And Oklahoma I don't think is very good, but here's the problem. They're not going to play anybody. So they may get in and not even be very good. Well, what about, I mean, look on the other side for Michigan. I mean, if you're Michigan, you may not have a quarterback, but you can run the ball, right? And Until so, Michigan beats Ohio State, I don't care. But is that not this year particularly no, strength on it's weakness? Not, it's, it's no year until they do it. Well, <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, like they <laughs> – I just I get tired of there is no program in college football that I am told to care about more that does less to make me care about them than Michigan because they don't ever they always lose the game that matters always I think what next week they play Wisconsin they'll lose that game wait and see they're gonna lose that game because that's what Michigan does yeah I don't disagree with that portion of it I think we're just so obsessed with a particular conversation around Michigan that maybe glossing over how well they're running the ball I just feel like running the ball and Ohio State being so vulnerable plus like we didn't mention Iowa I mean Iowa's got Penn State in a couple of weeks and I think that's now that is a team that's kind of outside off the radar that may be a sneak into the playoff team. I like Iowa, and you know, you also maybe maybe UCLA or something. We'll see. But I still think if you were a betting man, you would take Penn State, you would take Oklahoma, and then Georgia and Alabama. Just go ahead and put them in the playoff; they'll be in. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And also, you know, it's interesting because if ever there's been a year where there's such a strange season that maybe three teams from one conference could get in, I just don't think that can in the current climate of conversation that's happening. I just can't imagine, as much as I want the committee to be blind to resume, I can't imagine the committee allowing for three teams from any conference, particularly and, in the Super Conference moment. And the other conferences have a better argument this year because UCLA beat LSU and Penn State beat Auburn. So they have some – a lot of these years, these other conferences haven't had any good wins at all, non-conference. This year they do, so I think it would make it even harder to get three in. The biggest thing to me is that for once I feel like we're looking at a college football season that's giving us some level of unpredictability and even if that's Alabama it's not and everything unpredictable. else. Alabama's going to win but it. The they rest always it. win it. If I could take the rest of it as being unpredictable that still feels strangely like some sort of a win for college football over the course of the season. Coming up the Ravens picked up a huge win in week two. We'll talk about that and the play of their MVP. That'll be next Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain getting a little much-needed rest. She's out uh, for the next couple of days. I'm Jason Fitz, flying with Matt Jones, having a good time so far. We've asked you guys on Twitter, by the way, uh, in honor of tonight's interesting matchup, uh, what uh, what would get you into a sports bar for uh, the game that you may not even care about? And we're getting some interesting answers. You so. don't have to say the game you wouldn't ta- you wouldn't care about. What would get you into a sports bar for Panthers Texans? Yeah, that's probably we have a, we have an NFL player on the phone with us, and I don't even think he would watch Panthers oh, Texans. He won't admit that, he but will. I bet he wouldn't. It's good for the product. All right, uh, we're gonna head over to the Goodyear Hotline where we're joined by Ravens Pro Bowl fullback. 
Pat Ricard, Pat, man, thanks for the time. Uh, we got a lot to get in about your team, but let's just start with the fact that I just said Pro Bowl fullback. Like, fullback seems to be this undervalued position in the NFL. Is there like a secret text thread now between the fullbacks that remain on how you guys can stay so powerful in the league? Because there aren't many of you left. <laughs> well, you know, there's definitely a handful of us still hanging around, and those who are are keeping that name proud you know we have the hashtag make fullbacks great again um you know that's what we're trying to do we're trying to you know whenever we're on that field we're trying to make an impact so that we can help our team and show the teams that aren't using them to start using them so uh you know it's it's alive it's 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 happening pat before i get my real question just answer you're not watching panthers texans right like you're gonna go you're gonna play you're gonna play checkers or parcheesi like you're gonna do something else right yeah, I'm, I'm not watching it. I was going See, to I told you. I know, some, I know some of the guys on the Texans, like, you know, Mark Ingram and, and guys like that. But, uh, no, I'm not watching it right now. That's what I thought. Now, you did. I watched your big win uh, over the Chiefs last week. You know, it was Lamar's first win against them, national TV stage, after you guys had lost the first game. I mean, I know it's week two and everybody says, oh, be calm, it's one game. But that was a pretty big win, especially in hindsight, don't you think? Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's a team that we, you know, since I've been here, since Lamar's been here, we lost three times in a row against those guys. and You know, they're a great team. Everyone knows that. And to finally beat them, you know, in Baltimore, you know, home opener, first time fans being there, full house. I mean, it was unbelievable and so happy for Lamar and the team. And, you know, I think we're now we just have to keep this momentum and just keep it rolling to Detroit and, you know, weeks after. I'm not asking you anything about the controversy around it. I just want your reaction from the sideline or, or from the play when you see Lamar make the incredible flip. And, I mean, it, there's a level of athleticism to that that I would never understand even in a video game. What was your reaction to seeing the flip live? Yeah, I mean, I was in on that play, and you can see me when he flips. I just start laughing, freaking out. Cause <laughs> I, one, I thought it was, I thought it was kind of dumb because I'm like, okay, easy. You don't want him to fumble it because that touchdown is very important. It's a walk-in, and he has to, you know, be Lamar and have fun and, and do that flip. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's who he is, right? He just has fun, and it's real contagious. It makes other guys want to, you know, make plays like that and just kind of, you know, let it loose. But. Uh, I'm happy that he scored regardless. It was it was hilarious. You know, I, I live in uh, in Kentucky, Pat, and so I knew Lamar in college. And I think the thing that I always felt like people didn't realize about him, they focus on what an amazing athlete he is, and he is just astounding. But I think he mm-hmm. is also just a really good guy and really interesting and I just think people tend to rally around him is that how it is in the pros as well because it was certainly that way when he was at Louisville yeah absolutely I mean I was here with Joe for a year and a half because my second year that's when um you know Lamar started phasing phasing in and started playing towards the end of the year so you kind of saw it in the locker room just when Lamar started playing um it just kind of changed the culture it just it was more he, you know, he he doesn't want to be the guy. He just wants to be one of the guys, and that's just kind of how he is in the locker room. He always talks to everybody. He always talks to everybody in the building. Um, he just wants to have fun, and that's the biggest thing about it. Is you know, end of the day, it's a fun sport, and he really shows it. And I think guys around him, you know, kind of want to gravitate towards that because you know we're in a, a sport where 
at a point in the sport where it becomes almost a business to an extent. So to have someone like Lamar really, you know, show what it, the sport really is about and, you know, he really shows it. I think, you know, guys really uh, appreciate that. And, you know, I think it has translated to the pros. We're talking to Ravens fullback Pat Ricard on Spain and Fitz, uh, Jason Fitz sitting with Matt Jones. And, you know, I think it's interesting because you mentioned you played with Flacco and now you've got Lamar as your quarterback. And it feels like every time I turn around, somebody's trying to convince me that teams have figured out how to defend the Ravens. You see it all the time. Are defenses playing you differently this year than you've seen in the past? Uh, I mean, so we kind of approach every week as if the team that we're playing against, they're going to make a defense for us because, you know, that's kind of that's kind of been the theme of how it's been with Lamar as a quarterback and with this offense is we'll go up against a team and they'll show this is like the identity of this defense. And all of a sudden we play them and they're playing something they've never played before. So, I mean, that's kind of how it's been. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's just – I don't know. That just seems like that teams are trying to figure out different ways to stop us. And the only way to do that is to make a defense that we had never seen before. So maybe we'll not react to it very well or whatever. But at the same time, we have great rules, great foundation to this offense. So no matter what teams throw at us, we're going to be able to um, attack it and, you know, have positive plays. I'm not sure I've ever seen a team that has had worse injury luck than you all did before the season started. Three running backs hurt before the season even starts is absolutely insane. I mean, that just doesn't happen. You you know, you're back, you work with those guys. How does a team keep their sort of positivity when they see it's, it almost got to feel like it's cursed at some point. Yeah. I mean, it it definitely was a rough, rough start to the season. I mean, we did lose a, a number of starters before even the first game, but I mean, you know, it's football, the next ne- next man up. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, as long as we have Lamar and we have, you know, the nucleus of this team, I-, I think, you know, we still have the pieces that are there. We still have a lot of great players, you know, and the guys who are brought in, and they've learned the offense really quickly. They're great players. Um, you know, they're not like just random guys off the street. They're, they're well-known players that we picked up and we have on this team. Now it's just time for them to start rolling and getting used to this offense. And I think we're starting to see that now because – I feel like we're playing really well, um, and we don't even have the guys we had all off season. So it's it's exciting to see where we can really go with the guys we have now. Okay, let's be honest now. Pull back the curtain, give everybody a little <laughs> sense of the Ravens' identity. You talk about the guys you got. Like, who's the best and worst locker room DJ? Like, who's the guy you don't want to have control of it, and who's the guy you absolutely will let control it? Uh, um, I mean, the first person that comes to mind is Brandon Williams. He has this – my locker's right next to his, and he has this ginormous speaker that you can, like, roll around the locker room, and he just blasts in. He And Brandon Williams, I don't know if you guys know, he's a great singer, so he just has, like, a most, like, random collection of music. Like, any, like, rap, hip-hop, he has country, he has, like, throwbacks, he has songs from the 2000s. Like, most – you don't know what's going to come out of that speaker when Brandon Williams is on it. Um and then besides that, Tyus Bowser always has a speaker around with him, and he usually plays some good stuff, usually like some rap, hip-hop, and that's more what I'm into. But, um, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, sometimes it can be a little much. There's like five speakers going on locker room. Everyone's just playing their own stuff. 
I could never. Uh, I, I could never. Yeah, I, definitely, I, definitely, Brandon. I, I could never deal with two like two speakers at once. I would walk over like like the mom of the locker room, un- unwelcome, <laughs> and I'd be like, "You turn that off, good sir. Somebody else has already turned and the music see, on." You wondered why I said you were neurotic yeah, and potentially right. someone you have to watch. You're like literally going to go in a football locker room and tell the players, "Please keep the music." I mean, you down. can't listen like, to I, two I, songs at once. I'm not a savage here. You can't listen to two. You songs. are an enemy of fun. Oh, yeah, this is, Pat, this is what I got to deal with. Yeah. Like I'm, I'd almost football rather watch game. the football game at this point. Hey, I appreciate you joining us. Congrats on on the big win against Kansas City. We always love you joining the show, man. Rooting for you to have an incredible season. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, guys. That's Ravens fullback Pat Ricard. I, I, you know what? I just I, two songs at once doesn't like so. When I was a little kid, you didn't ask for the story, but I'll tell you quickly. When I was a little kid, I, did not. I would sit in the back seat and like I'd just be singing my own song. And if it didn't match what was on the radio, my mom, woo quickly would remind me that there was one option sing what's on the radio or don't sing at all and you know what i think I, i'm not sure i'm not sure pam was totally wrong about that one i'm, I'm just saying a uh, ravens fullback pat ricard on spain and fitz brought to you by goodyear making the plays that move you forward goodyear more driven i know that matt at this point is wondering why he agreed to spend thursday night with oh, me i'm glad it's great being here no, uh, you're, <laughs> not, you're not neurotic at all oh my god speaking of neurotic should you be treated differently once you reach a certain level of status well some people around one famous NFL player seem to think so. We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app and Sirius XM channel lady. Jason Fitz sitting with Matt Jones, who's in for Sarah Spain on ESPN Radio. We've asked you guys to uh, chime in on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Uh, what, what would get you into the bar to watch tonight's game? One answer that I think absolutely is good here, Tim Mills hit us up on Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Hey, Pepper we, I Twitter have feed. one right now, by the way. I have someone walking in to watch Panthers-Texans. I've got some... He's got four more people coming, so now maybe up to five fits wow. of people who are. But we didn't think Panthers Texans was a draw, but I have five people coming well, in here to watch it. Well, Tim Miles uh, said on the Dr Pepper Twitter feed that uh, the promotion that would get him would be half price donut burgers. Maybe if y'all had donut burgers, you'd be maybe all in. We on would. It. I mean, donut burgers are a delight, like the Krispy Kreme with like the burger in the middle, and like. But you gotta have cheese on it. If you don't have cheese on it, it doesn't work at all. It's like the burger version of a McGriddle. Like it, it's it's. It's spectacular work. It's a little salty. It's a little sweet. You in on this? Like, we adding it to the menu now, Matt? I, I can't eat that. That's That makes me feel like a heart attack. For those of you listening that don't know, I'm standing outside uh, my bar here in, 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 in Lexington, Kentucky, hoping people will come in to watch Panthers-Texans. I'm like, I have in this place Panthers and Texans, and they're here. And people just aren't lining up for it tonight. And I think it may be the worst Thursday night football game on the calendar all year. Probably is. So uh, you've really lost focus on the most important thing here. Now that I've suggested the donut burger, can we add it to the menu and name it after me? And then let's just see how it does. Like, I've always wanted an item named after me on a a menu. Uh, the, The fat kid in me, like, involving a donut, like... I'm just saying. The neurotic donut burger. That's what you want. Just call it the serial killer. And there we go. We'll know it's about me. And uh, now I'm on some list at this point. Uh, Go check out the podcast to understand the context of what I'm saying there. And let me dig myself out quickly on Spain and Fitz. Um, So 
Look, there's this this strange, never-ending conversation about Brady and Bill, and I, we know it's never going to go anywhere. It's just part of what it's like. It's like LeBron versus Michael Jordan. It's just going to be there all the time, no matter how much we all roll our eyes at it, and people will get fired up about it. But Alex Guerrero, uh, the trainer the, the for Tom Brady, uh, came out in a statement and said that Bill never changed the way he treated Tom. So even when Tom was in his 40s, he was still treating Tom like he was in his 20s, and that doesn't work for people as they get older. I, I And, you know, Tom, by the way, deflected most of this saying essentially like the people that care about you uh, want to make sure that, you, you know, you're taken care of, but I have nothing but joy for my time there. I just don't know why it matters at this point, frankly, how Tom feels about how he was treated because everybody moved on. Like this feels a little bit like both sides are still stalking their exes on Facebook, and I don't understand why. Well, I think it's because you have arguably – well, not arguably. You have the best quarterback of all time and arguably the best coach. If not the best coach, he's one or two. And I think, you know, they're highly competitive people, and they are joined at the hip for eternity. You'll never be able – it's like, you know, Bill Wallace and Joe Montana. Like, you're never going to be able to think of one without the other. And then when they separate, all of a sudden the potential is there for one to look better than the other. And I think both of those guys, they'll never admit it, but they want to. I'm sure they like each other, but they want to look better. And, and I actually – and I'm not a huge Tom Brady guy, but I actually sympathize with Brady here because I do think you treat 40-year-olds differently than you treat 20-year-olds. I do think that when a guy has won as much as he has, he should have been treated differently. And if he wasn't, and I'm just going to take it face value that he wasn't, if he wasn't, I could understand uh, why that would bother him. I could understand why he would say, look, haven't I earned a little bit more? Uh, well, and I have no problem with that as a general concept, but the thing of it is, I also don't know why, if we're going to sit here and talk about everything that Brady deserves, then what about what Bill deserves? I mean, at some point, well, if but you what are... what did Brady do to him? I mean, Bra- Bill's the coach. Like, yeah. I mean, he... What, 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 what did Brady not give Bill? Well, nothing, but why should Bill have to change the way he does things? I mean, he, if he's arguably the best coach of all time, then he's got to look at it and say, this is the way I coach, and if you don't like it, well, he go does, to hell. Well, he doesn't... Well, he doesn't have to, but then you know what happens? He leaves and goes win a, goes and wins a Super Bowl somewhere else. But there, so I mean, like, so yes, you can be. I mean, Bill Belichick has earned the right to be whatever he wants. But part of how you remain relevant is to all is to adjust. I mean, Nick Saban's a perfect example of this. I mean, he basically completely changed what it meant for him to be a football coach. He went from a defensive guy to a team with crazy offense, and he did it because he needed to. If Belichick didn't, he can be criticized for that. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, Saban tried to get some of the rules changed in college football first and then said, okay, if you're not going to do that. But he still made it work. Yeah, I mean, but, he still but do, made we it work. Know, do we know that Bill isn't going to make it work? Like, they're working well, on different time frames. I mean, that's the maybe thing. Maybe he will, but I'm just saying to you, we know Brady has already made it work without Bill. So now... I can understand if his chest would get out a little bit and say, look, I left because he was treating me like a kid, and I wanted anyway. I totally understand why that would be a feeling that Tom Brady would have. Well, I, I, I don't disagree with Tom feeling that way. I just feel like at some point, if I'm Bill and I'm putting my shoes my, myself in Bill's shoes, I'm looking at it saying I'm the best coach of all time. I helped make you who you are as a player, and I'll help make somebody else. Like, if you don't want to live under my roof, I'll find somebody else that will. And while that didn't work year one, it wasn't an epic failure. Like, they're working, as I said, on different timelines. Like, the Patriots' goal was to rebuild the entirety of their organization, which we have no idea if they've done or not. So we won't know who got the best of this 
for several years. If we're sitting here in 10 years and Bills won four more Super Bowls with Mac Jones as his quarterback, then cool. Like, it, it worked out for both of them. It's possible that two really beautiful people couldn't be in a relationship together. They got That's divorced, true. and now they're both, they both got really beautiful new spouses. That, I think that is very true. But, but the thing is, it's possible Bill will succeed. Brady already has, and I'm just saying to you that that is very impressive. I mean, look, I, I don't know what you think about this year's Tampa Bay team, but they might be the best team, and they might not lose. I mean, you look no, at that schedule. I need, I need them to lose. I desperately need them to lose. But you look at that schedule, if they don't lose this week, it starts to become harder to find a loss that isn't a huge upset, and I just think that is something interesting to sort of see. I'm not sure if they're the best team because I still probably would give it to Kansas City, but I don't know. They got a chance to have a very special year, and he's an old man, and he's doing it. I, I, uh, I may or may not on air have said that if the Buccaneers went undefeated and won the Super Bowl, I get my nipples pierced on national TV. So I'd need them to lose again. Let me, Let me be, what, what, what national TV show do you think wants to air that? Uh, Sports like, Nation. Na- Sports Nation is about the closest what, I can get to it. What you know? national TV show is like, you know what? Everybody stop what you're doing. He's Jason <laughs> I don't see that. I don't see that breaking the Nielsen rate. Look, I mean, Keyshawn J. Will and Max, maybe I could get an, a sympathy I invite on there. On there. I you mean, probably could get on Keyshawn J. Will and Max, and I think that would be good. That's, that's about the best. Look, I didn't say anybody would want to air it. I just let the <laughs> moment get away from me, and I may or may not have said, hey, it, it, you know, if that happens, I'll. And I don't know why I did it. I'm not proud of the fact that I did it. You know, and it, but at the end of the day, the crazy thing is that we're talking about this now, and in two weeks we get the matchup that everybody wants, right? Like two weeks from now is going to be Brady versus Bill, and they're going to be playing in Foxborough. Like the amount of hype that's going to come into that matchup, I'm just not ready for it. Like I, I it's deserve it though. I mean, that let's be real. That is, that is the marquee game of the season. I want to watch it. You want to watch it. We're going to way overread whatever happens. And if you don't think those two dudes want to win that game more than any other game this season, except maybe the Super Bowl, that would be delusional because they will want it and they should. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Uh, you know, it, it is rare to see these moments. It's part of why I didn't think Mac Jones. I always have to say that very clearly when I'm working with you. There's a difference between yeah. Matt Jones and Mac I hate, Mac by the way, that's Jones. his name. Because yeah. everybody, there are so many people who still think his name is Matt. And I don't like it. And they, and then, and it's just like if I want, I, I've become, I'm already ungoogleable, and he's just made me more ungoogleable, and I don't like that. I like the way you very calculatedly, that's not a word, have to slow down to say googleable, which is also not a word. Like I love the the. I'm just imagining Matt Jones walking into Mac Jones and saying, "Hey, Google me, buddy." Like that's. Well, that's, I knew, Listen, Mac Jones originally committed to Kentucky, so I interviewed him when he was a junior in high school, and the, to see his rise has really been impressive. We'll see how good he ends up being. We're going to see how good Thursday night football is as tonight we we get the matchup we all can't wait for. Coming up, we'll get you set for the matchup with the Panthers and Texans, but we like to do it with some expertise with some local flair. So we'll go to Carolina and Houston and get some of the best experts to break down what to look for. We'll do that next on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Thursday night, and that means Thursday night football. We start the new week. Everybody can turn the page to the excitement that comes with new matchups. And it gets kicked off tonight in just about 20 minutes with Panthers 
at Texans. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Matt Jones, Jason Fitz, Matt's in for Sarah Spain, getting a much-deserved much little vacation. She'll be out the next couple of days, and we are going to go straight over to the Goodyear Hotline to get things rolling, where we are joined by Bobby Rosinski, host of the Afternoon Rush on 7.30, the game ESPN Charlotte. Bobby, thanks for the time, man. Obviously, Charlotte's got to be pumped as the Panthers are 2-0. and So why is this team 2-0? and uh, It's simple, Jason. It's defense. Uh, and what Phil Snow has done with the defensive side of the ball, you can go back to last year, probably midway through the year, this defense started to connect. Remember, they spent all their draft picks in 2020 on the defensive side of the ball. You had no OTAs, no mini camp, none of that stuff. So it took a little while, but everything has started to mesh. You got a great defensive end in Brian Burns. You spend money with Hassan Reddick coming in, Derek Brown year two, Daquan Jones free agent acquisition uh, from the Titans, Morgan Fox from the Rams. J.C. Horn, that first-round pick in the secondary here. Uh, this defense has been flying around, and it's why you see him number one in sacks, number one in defense in the National Football League. We kind of expect the same thing tonight. So if the offense can uh, really just get solid O-line play, even okay O-line play, uh, with Sam Darnold performing like he has, uh, all of a sudden expectations, uh, they've gotten a lot higher here in Charlotte. When you say Sam Darnold performing like he has, what is the what is the expectation for him, and, and what 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 do the folks around the the, the team think about his performance? I, I watched about a, a half of one of their games, and I thought he looked much more comfortable than I ever saw him in New York. Do you feel that way? And is there optimism that his play will continue to improve as the season goes on? Yeah, it's funny you use the word comfortable because that's the exact word I used earlier this week. He looks comfortable here uh, in Charlotte. He made one bad decision against the Saints where he kind of tried to throw the ball out and it was picked off by a defensive lineman. But other than that, he hasn't put the ball in jeopardy. He's got good playmakers. Uh, I was, you know, I, I liked the move when they brought him in, but was Joe Brady going to be the same thing like Ryan Tannehill when he went to Tennessee? And so far, it looks good. Look, it's not perfect on the offensive side of the ball. But this is a team last year, and Teddy Bridgewater's gone to Denver. He's playing well there. But it just didn't work here uh, with the Carolina Panthers. And so far for Sam Darnold, he seems to fit what Joe Brady in this offense wants to do right now. Plus, you have a healthy Christian McCaffrey. That always makes things easier, and they've given the ball 59 times, whether on the ground or through the air, uh, through the first two games. So a healthy CMC, a solid Sam Darnold, a great defense. And, you know, the Panthers, they're feeling a lot better about themselves. Bobby, real quick before we let you go, uh, Matt Rule has won everywhere he's gone. It takes a second to sort of implement whatever his culture is. So what's your assessment now of, of this organization under Matt Rule? Yeah, right now you, you look at Rule. Yeah, in Temple we saw it, Baylor we saw it, and here uh, with the Carolina Panthers, he seems like a guy the players love to play for. And I think that's obvious when he's in the NFL and you're bringing in guys from Temple, even from years ago, or guys from Baylor. They want to come play for Matt Rule and the coaching staff letting these guys do what they want to do. Uh, his guy is Phil Snow. He's been at every stop, whether it was Temple or Baylor, and uh, coming here and uh, Joe Brady is the offensive coordinator. Uh, they just mess well. Uh, Scott Fitterer coming in as the uh, general manager of this football team uh, is kind of the rule guy, rule in the end. He gets to make the decisions of what roster moves this Panther football team is going to work here. But you're, you're seeing his system get put in place, the style of football he wants to play, 
And uh, all of a sudden, you're kind of hoping it is like Temple. It is like Baylor. And year two, year three are going to lead to a lot of success. Great host, even better dude. Be sure to check him out on 730 The Game ESPN in Charlotte from the afternoon rush. Bobby Rosinski. Bobby, appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, let's switch the uh, – we're going to flip the coin now and get to the other side of all of this as we're joined now on the Goodyear Hotline by Sarah Barshop, ESPN Texans reporter. We just heard the Panthers' side of this, so let's take a look at the Texans' side of it, and we'll start with what everybody's talking about, Davis Mills. Like, how, Where is the organization, Sarah, on Davis Mills right now? You know, I think they don't really know, and the good thing, not that you ever want an injury to a player, but they knew at some point that if – the team was not contending for a playoff spot, the Davis Mills would have to take some, have some sort of game action because they need to know what they have in him. They need to know if he can be a, a future franchise quarterback. And so there's some optimism around this team, and we kind of heard it all week. Now, it's a short week, obviously very challenging, but David Culley and a lot of his teammates talked about how mature he is and how well he does under pressure. And obviously, Thursday night game in front of a national audience is going to be really important for him tonight. You know, I, I, I've been surprised pleasantly by by Houston in the first couple of weeks. I know they didn't look as good last week when they switched quarterbacks, but that performance in the first week seemed to inject some optimism where there was none really going into the season. Have you gotten that feeling around the team? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we're not in the locker room this year because of the COVID policies, but still just being at, you know, talking to these guys at the podium or one-on-one, you get that sense. So even though you're not kind of around the part, the, the spot where normally you kind of get the buzz of the team, we're seeing that even just at the podium. And I think a lot of that has to do with David Cully. There's a lot of excitement around him. I think he's done a really good job of making this a place guys want to play. It's a very veteran-heavy team, which I think helps too. But, yes, you can definitely ever look. Everyone in that locker room understands what the outside perspective is of this team. And, you know, they always talk about just doing whatever they can to win and that, you know, will change if, if they're able to do that. So, Sarah, I mean, we can't have a conversation about the Texans without at least acknowledging the Deshaun, Deshaun Watson situation is just still there. And they've made it clear even through injury that he's not going to be active. Uh, what's the latest and where's this go? I, I mean, I, they they are totally prepared to have him on their active roster all season and have him be inactive on game days. And they don't expect that to change. Now, of course, could a team come in and offer them, put together a huge offer that they say, well, it's absolutely worth making this trade now. Yes, of course. But for the most part, I don't think those offers are going to be there, especially without any conditional picks. And they don't want to do that because they know that, look, it's a very complicated legal situation, a very serious situation. But they know it might get to the point where they can get a big offer for him. And they don't want to just get rid of him just to get rid of him at this point. So I think we'll see a lot of the same all season. He'll be on the roster. He won't be at practice, and he won't be there on game day. Do they believe there's any chance that he ever plays quarterback for the Texans again? Like, is there a world in which that occurs? I've talked to a couple people in the building who have kind of asked me the same thing. Like, do you think it could actually happen? So I think there's some sort of you never know. But, no, I think in, in, in general it's kind of a consensus, like, He's not going to play here again. He's not part of this team right now. Yes, he's on the roster, but I don't think many people in the building seeing him, see him having a future playing for this team. Sarah, how does this team manage to win this game in your mind? I think it's got to be Davis Mills protecting the football. And 
every NFL head coach says this, right, that you have to win the turnover battle. That's obviously very important. But Lovey Smith talks about it a lot, enforcing takeaways. That's something that's been so, emphasized so heavily during practice, during OTAs, during training camp. To the point players have said, I've never really seen anything like this. No one's ever really emphasized it to be the way he has. And so I think it's winning that turnover battle. And for Davis Mills, we've seen during the preseason, he has turned the ball over. And so I think if there's a chance that they win tonight, he's got to protect the football. As always, we appreciate your insight and your expertise, Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Sarah Barshoff, ESPN Texans, uh, NFL Nation reporter, doing great work as always, getting you set for the game that kicks off in less than 10 minutes between the Panthers and the Texans, the juggernaut of Thursday night. Hey, we're owning it, whatever it is. Uh, we'll hey, keep it's bring- huge. It huge is. game. The lines outside these bars for people to get in for Panthers-Texans, are it's unbelievable. Yeah, some bars, somewhere. Uh, we've also asked well, I'd you— I'd like to know where. <laughs> We've asked you what would get you into the bar to watch this matchup. A lot of votes for some weird things. We'll, we'll tell you about some of that in a minute. But coming up, one team continues their down, downward spiral while another team continues to plow towards the playoffs. We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Jason Fitz, sitting with Mac Jones. <laughs> hey, watch it. <laughs> I was just seeing if you were paying attention. No, I'm paying attention. I, You know, listen, this whole Matt Jones era, it hurts those of us named Matt Jones, and I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to act like it's a good thing. He's taken over the name. There were already too many Matt Joneses that were athletes. You had the Arkansas player yeah, that yeah. went to the Jags. You had the Florida running back. Mm-hmm. There's an Australian golfer. There was a Duke basketball player. And now Mac <laughs> Is coming and trying to make it even worse. So I, I'm not. I'm going to admit I, I'm not happy about it. Well, Matt Jones uh, far better today than Mac Jones. Let's see how it plays out in a few. We got we got a few years before we can make any sweeping judgments on the the young quarterback. But uh, we've got enough proof concept to make sweeping judgments on your you know overall awesomeness. That's all I'm saying. Let's get to some straight talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And the straight talk comes in the form of while I'm giving you all that praise, it's because I'm about to rip your heart out a little bit because we were working together a few weeks ago. I don't remember which show. Like there's so many of them. At this point, we were working together, and you had just this this glimmer, right? This little just twinge of hope, this this brightness in your voice, this joy when it came to the topic of the Cincinnati Reds. I don't think that that exists anymore. Where did it go wrong? Well, you're correct. It doesn't. Uh, I think they've lost eight straight series, so that'll do it to you. No, yeah. um, you can't. It's hard to make the playoffs. You know, it was set up for them perfect. They were. They were a game behind the Padres a couple weeks ago. The Padres had the hardest schedule in baseball, and the Reds had the easiest schedule. And so it looked like they were going to be great. And then they have lost five of seven to the Pirates. And the Cardinals, who came out of nowhere, they've won 12 straight games. The St. Louis Cardinals, whose pitching staff is basically me and you are pitching for the Cardinals right now. And they won 12 straight. So the Cardinals you know, have come and taken it. And the Reds are disappointing. But the most disappointing team, though, is the Padres. I mean, you get this lineup, you get this pitching staff in. I mean, they expected to contend for a World Series, and now they're not even going to make the wild card. Well, and you're a 1,000% right on the disappointment that comes with that, especially for a fan base that really was given the opportunity to buy in and say it's going to be different this time. And you hear that a lot when you're a fan of a a team that's constantly bad. But there are certain years that you really believe it's going to be different. This was an easy one to believe that, 
even on this show as we started uh, my my process of trying to help me pick a favorite baseball team through a bachelor-like process. The number of people that thought I was insane every time I talked about eliminating the Padres because look at how good they're going to be. But that just didn't happen. And to that end, Jess Mendoza was with us last night on Spain and Fitz and talked about the Padres players and really their accountability in all of this. When you see arguments happening in the dugout, you see leadership, you see $300-plus million a piece in Tatis Jr. and Machado. That's where my blame goes. And if I'm a player, I'm looking in the mirror. Because you look at who you have on that team, how you're leading them, how you're able to get that performance, and it starts from your peers. It starts internally. It's not about the manager. It's not about the front office. When you look at all the moves that have been made, the people that have been signed, and we've already seen how great this team can be. Yes, they've had some injuries, and yes, they've had some maybe bad luck here and there. For the most part, I'm looking straight in the mirror. If I am one of those leaders in Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr., what happened last Saturday was disappointing, more so just because when you're losing and that's happening, when you're on a win streak and you're getting, like, veteran on Rook, like, here we go, like, is this who you want to be defined as? you got to pull your head out. All of that, I'm good with it. Yeah, and I don't disagree with what she's saying. There's something that we've heard about a few teams this year. At some point, you got to have personal accountability to the players on the field saying, hey, did we do enough, especially with the amount of money that was spent, especially in a year where we've seen the unexpected, like the Giants being as good as the Giants have been. It was absolutely something nobody predicted. And the fact is, I feel like every week I hear that the Giants are going to hit that wall and it's all going to come crashing back down to earth, and it never does. For the Padres, it's the opposite. You hear every week that this is going to be the week that they right the ship. And that just hasn't happened. At some point, accountability is going to go to the two guys that are making a ton of money. Baseball is the most individualistic sport of all the major sports. And when it, when things don't go right, you don't have anybody to look at except yourself. I mean, the manager didn't make you all not hit. The manager didn't make you fight. And the manager didn't cause the pitching to have been disappointing. And you're exactly right. They just have to look at their own division to see two teams. You could argue the Dodgers and the Giants could be the two best teams in baseball, and they're right there with them. But the the, the Padres' problem is not losing the Dodgers and the Giants. They just lose to everybody. I mean, they have been they have been an unbelievable disappointment. I followed this wild card race intently because of the Reds, really all year. And the the collapse of the Padres, they might not finish 500, which is insane because they were 20 games over 500 earlier this year. They their collapse. I mean, if it was any, if it wasn't out on the West Coast, and you know, a team that with a, in a high market would be the story of the year, I think, in baseball because it has been shocking. You're a thousand percent right. Matt Jones, Jason Fitz on Spain and Fitz uh, on ESPN Radio, and, and you know, I, I keep thinking back to what you pay for when you pay. Uh, the the salaries for baseball players because the contracts are so long you know at the end you're just going to be eating money which means you need to see return on investment quickly because you don't have a big shot at seeing much return at the end of these things so if you're the Padres you got to be looking around saying my god like the amount we spent on this it's not just the loss right now it's also understanding how much money is tied up for a very long time now none of that matters if they win some World Series in the middle of it but it is at least concerning the other side of it is the White Sox want to give them some praise they clinched the AL Central title with a 7-2 win over the Indians on Thursday what was funny is that they didn't really have the chance to to celebrate much uh, partially because they had a a doubleheader so they had to go in and play again it's (laughs) hysterical to me to think you're like we won all right let's rack it let's go Uh, let's, let's go again Yeah, that is unfortunate. They've been a great story this year because they got a bunch of young guys who finally, who finally kind of come through. But I, I think like a lot of fans, I'm sitting here watching the, the, the race for the wild card 
in the AL and to see if the Yankees make it. Because if you do, if the if the Yankees don't find their way in, then they join the Padres as the most disappointing. The Red Sox have come from nowhere, kind of like the Cardinals did as well. This has just been a really weird year in baseball. I think some of that is with COVID and the way that injuries are, you know, the way that people would have to miss sort of big blocks of time. But it's been a year where I think a lot of franchises will look back and go, that was a year we could have made a move. That was a year where we had a chance. Like, a team could be seven games over five hundred and make the playoffs, and there's going to be a lot of teams that wish, that wish they actually did something this year when they had a chance. Well, yeah, and you can't be as talented as the Yankees are and find yourself outside looking in on the playoffs and not be considering massive wholesale change, which is something you know we, we've all talked about over the course of the last year, especially in the college football landscape, for example. Uh, you know, last year being such a strange year, would, it, would teams be more patient moving on in the offseason? We found out the answer largely was no, right? So I, I, I'm left to look at this year in Major League Baseball and say, okay, if you're the Yankees or the Padres and you don't make this postseason, you don't get the chance to make your mark, it's impossible for me not to look at it and say then as an organization, you're going to look from the top down and it doesn't matter if there are reasons or explanations for why this was a strange year, you're still going to be looking at wholesale changes because you can't run it back. You can't continue to repeat this cycle when you're not getting enough out of the star players. You're exactly right. But, you know, for franchises like that, they just find a way to change. I mean, they'll just go buy more people and they'll end up players and they'll end up where they want to be. Where do you see – if you have to pick the World Series right now, I mean, I I still think even though they're not in first place in the division, I'm going to take the Dodgers. I think the AL is wide open. I I, I think the American League playoffs will be the most interesting they've been in a long time. Where would you go? Yeah, no, I'm with you, by the way, on the Dodgers. I honestly think – nobody wants to hear this. I think the Astros are going to the World Series. I think we're going to do Astros-Dodgers. And, like – it's going to be the ultimate. I mean, like, right? I mean, it just feels too perfect, but it, it, they feel like the two best teams to me. I, f- I think Tampa Bay. They always find Ooh. a way in. Ta- I mean, Tampa Bay as a franchise yeah. is really an amazing story how they do it every year with new guys every time. Yeah, and seem to get no credit in the process to do no it. Credit. Most they get it's like, no credit. No credit. That's ever. some You're straight exactly talk. Right. Straight talk wireless. No contract. No compromise. We'll get you the straight talk on some base, ba- some playoffs going on right now. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app at Sirius XM Channel 80. Jason Fitz hanging out with Matt Jones. You guys can, uh, we'll keep you updated on the uh, NFL action as the game is just getting underway between the Panthers and the Texans for sure. But of course, importantly, tonight is the start of the WNBA playoffs. So let's talk to one of the stars of the hottest team in the league. Brianna Jones at the Connecticut Sun. Brianna, we've been discussing the playoff system this week. You guys have a double bye, which is great for your team. But when you look back at the way the playoff system is wired, do you like it? Do you hate it? Where are you on the structure of the WNBA playoffs? Um, I mean, uh, thanks for having me. First off, um, I mean, I'm a little, I'm a little, you know, on both ends because I feel like last year, um, you know, we got in um, as a lower seed into the playoffs last season after we started off a little slow, um, and we got to the semis, you know, through the, the through that. Um, that one game, uh, one game, one and done, that it helped us a lot uh, last season, I think. But then, uh, again, going into this season, I mean, I like it. You know, we get to have a little break before we get to find out who we play and everything. But, I mean, it just it's really tough when you have a good season um, and then you just it could be a one and done kind of thing. So I just feel like you just have to be prepared for any situation. And I think it just, um, you know, going through the season, if you – if you stay prepared, stay, stay locked in and uh, get to where you want to be, I think, um, you know, the one one and done shouldn't be a problem. 
so talk to me about how you'll consume the next uh, these one and done matchups. Like, you're going to watch all of this now, or are you going to step away, clear your head, and watch the film later? Like, what's your process for watching the one and dones? Uh, no, I mean I'm going to watch because I want to I want to you know get early eyes on whoever we might be playing and just uh, see how all the teams are looking. Um, you know, before we find out who we, who we're matched up with, and it's just it's just a good opportunity to to, to watch the game um, before we see it in film. You guys have had such an incredible season. Why? Um, I think it's just our our chemistry and then the support that we have for each other. I think um, every night uh, nobody on our team has to force anything. Uh, different people can step up at different times uh, depending on the game. I just think having that, um, that support for each other and the chemistry we have off the court and just uh, knowing that um, any night it could be anybody's night, it makes us hard to guard one and then just, um, you know, you don't. You never have that pressure on you. So, Brianna, like, I, obviously, I live close to all of this being in Bristol, Connecticut, and there's always a buzz around mm-hmm. the sun. We all know that. What difference has it been this year having people actually be able to go to the games? Uh, I mean, it's it's great. Uh, just having fans back in the stands has been has been great. The atmosphere that uh, we have in Connecticut is it has always been great. I, I remember back to um, in 2019, some of the crowds that we had were amazing and just. Um, after playing the bubble last season, not having any fans, it's been it's been great to be back and great to have that that fan support in the fans and just the energy that they bring when they um when we can pack it. Has the, has it felt different this year with the 20th anniversary and all the importance that has been around the game this year? Oh, I mean, that's a little different. Just like I, you can feel the buzz, you know, on social media and everything. Everybody uh, trying to follow in with the WNBA and see what's happening. So I think just. Um, being like the the support that we've had, the the growth that the WNBA is trying to make, it's been it's been amazing to see this season. We're talking to Brianna Jones of the Connecticut Sun, Spain and Fitz, Jason Fitz, and so uh, you know I always love talking to professional athletes about trash talking when it comes to colleges, right? So you went to Maryland. Mm-hmm. Is there a lot of like trash yeah. talking between you guys for other programs? Like, are you are you flying the the Terp flag everywhere you go? Oh, definitely, and it's it's a lot easier when there's three other turps on the team. We, <laughs> we fly the turf like proud and proud and high here, and uh, in Connecticut, I like uh, it. All, it comes up, you know, here and there, you know, jokingly and everything. But we're always like, oh yeah, but you know, there's there's four turps on the team, so uh, I mean, it's great and to always have that support and and um you know we're always we're flying that that Maryland flag high. I don't think people understand like I went to high school not far from College <laughs> Park. Like there's its own vibe to everything that happens in Maryland. Like it's just it's just it's different. I, I figured there'd have to be some, you know, some little element of trash talking. When it comes to the playoffs, is there somebody that you really look forward to usually like is there somebody you're looking at and saying, "Man, I love facing this person in that environment." You know, I don't think there's one person I could say that I just I look forward to facing. I think I mean I'm I'm always ready for whatever matchup gets thrown my way, and just hopefully I I mean and I try to make most of it um, on my end, and then you know I'm I'm just always wanting to compete with whoever whoever I get matched up against. Well, that's such the the perfect answer, Brianna. Like that, you you handled. I tried to bait you, and he gave me nothing on it. Uh, so Sarah and I had this you know season long bet, and obviously Sarah's a big Chicago uh, fan, and uh, I'm from Vegas originally, mm-hmm. so I'm all in on the Aces. So. You know, in, in the mm-hmm. process of the going through the season, we've watched the ups and downs. But it's weird when you look at right. the WNBA season and you see the big gap for the Olympics. How much did the gap in play sort of impact momentum as you were trying to figure out the play this year? Um, I think the the Olympic the Olympic break definitely it gave us a time to step away and uh, see what what was working for us in the beginning of the season and things we need to work on. And I think we definitely utilized that. Um, you know, coming back from the break. It didn't show in the Commissioner's Cup game, I know, but I think 
um, definitely after that loss, we definitely found, uh, you know, even more things that we could work on and improve. And I think we, we, we've done a great job since then, um, you know, uh, getting better every game and just, and just showing that, um, you know, we deserve to, to, be, to be here and be the number one seed. So give me the, the cliche answer here, but I got to ask. The Connecticut Sun will win the WNBA championship if? We'll win the WNBA championship if everything keeps clicking the way it's been and, uh, you know, we keep, we keep playing for each other. See, look, that was, you, you, you just you handle everything so perfectly. I'm just saying that's why it's fun. Hey, congratulations on an incredible season. It's been fun to watch Connecticut Sun do their thing. I've actually felt really guilty about the whole Vegas thing, but I'm all I'm pot committed. I can't turn. I can't change my loyalty now. Sarah will kill me for it. Brianna, we appreciate your time. Congratulations. Enjoy the playoff run. I look forward to a WNBA finals being here selfishly so I can go. That's that's what it really comes down to. Have, have a great run in the playoffs. Thanks for hanging out with me. Thank you. Appreciate it. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Call or click today and find out if we could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Uh, they didn't save any time getting down the field and scoring. Carolina already up 7 nothing uh, on Houston. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Jason Fitz, Matt Jones. And uh, look, Matt, I want to stick with some basketball conversation quickly here because I think there's a really interesting thing happening. You pointed it out earlier as we were getting ready for the show. There's nothing easy about COVID and the impact it's going to have for particular teams, but particularly – for Golden State, as it's now mandated in San Francisco, that any place that has over a thousand people, everybody must be vaccinated. And that becomes problematic because Andrew Wiggins of the Warriors has no plan to get the vaccine unless he's forced to. And this doesn't sound like the forcing moment. So what do you do if you're a team and you got a, a player that won't get vaccinated and you've still got to play somewhere that requires it? Well, he said he wouldn't do it unless he gets forced. I'm not sure the city you play in saying you won't be allowed in the building if you don't get vaccinated is not forcing it. I mean, I so, I mean, Wiggins, look, he's got a he's got a choice. Do you want to sort of go down this, down this hill and say, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take the the vaccine? But if you're the the Warriors, I think you have to sit Wiggins down and say, look, man, are you really? not going to do this and if his answer is yes I think you have to trade him I mean I, I I don't know what else you can do because you can't have one of your players a potential starter missing every home game but that's what will be the case with Wiggins and then you can go further if this is actually enforced in San Francisco then when teams come from the road they won't be able to use one of their players what if the finals were the Nets and the Warriors, and Kyrie can't play in the games in Golden State. So this is going to continue to come up. But with Wiggins, half the games are at home. You just can't have that. So he either has to get vaccinated or you have to trade him. I don't know what other choice they have. Yeah, well, and New York is another place that it looks like is going to require vaccination for more than 1,000 people in the building too. So in your scenario, uh, if you had a you know a, a Warriors-Nets Final, neither one of them could play any yeah, game. It's just gone. It's like, all right, see you guys. We'll just uh, we'll wait and see what happens next year. And uh, inevitably, this is where somebody's going to tweet us and say people can make their personal choices. Well, uh, you know, again, I, I, as always. Well, no, no, wait, man. I, I, I don't, let me respond to that because when people say they can make their personal choices, yes, they can. But then people also have the right to say your personal choices will have a ramification. And I think these per. The, what I have found about a lot of people who are against the vaccine is they're less against it than they just don't want to do it. And when they're forced to, then they do it. Because it's not so much they're against it. They just don't want to positively go do it. 
It'll be interesting to see, though, if either of these guys, and Kyrie would be the most likely, really sticks with it to the point it harms his career because you're talking you know, tens of millions of dollars. I don't think he will, but if he does, it'll be the, the choice has been made. I mean, in San Francisco, they're not going to change this rule for Andrew Wiggins. Right. Yeah, that's a huge part of this. Like, he can make a personal decision, but the city's already made their own decision above and beyond all of that. So uh, every action has consequence. And, you know, when you work for someone like uh, it, that, that requires vaccination, if you choose not to get vaccinated, then you're choosing not to work there anymore. It becomes really hairy for every team involved in the league. It, it, at some point, it's going to have to be, I would think, collectively bargained. Like, they're going to have to sit down as a player but even if it's collectively bargained the city of san francisco is not changing the rules yeah, for andrew right. wiggins no matter what they collectively bargain one of the things that some of these players and even some of the coaches didn't think about is that there are rules that supersede the rules of the nba and the city of san francisco is going to decide this and 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 there is nothing the warriors can do and there's nothing andrew wiggins can do yeah and if the warriors choose to trade him they're going to have to trade him somewhere that doesn't have the same constraints like this is going to get weird and it's not going to get any easier for everybody involved it's Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio all right we'll get you caught up on the Thursday night football juggernaut action that we're seeing so far plus I'm working with somebody that knows his way around you know the maybe, maybe maybe some good smart bets we'll get into some of the best bets of week three for the NFL action we'll do it next Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio Spain and Fitz the podcast Kenny Rogers once told me a humble brag to beginning of a story Kenny Rogers once told me that when he uh, he's like you know when he first started in country everybody was like oh this guy's not country this guy's pop he's, he's a rock star trying to come over and be 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 country because of his background and then he got inducted in the country music hall of fame that's what country does it's just you know well elton john when i talked to him the other day oh, really? he told me he told me that new country for the most part is just about getting drunk and being on the back of your truck bed and going to a beach well, because that's every song i hear now uh, you, you know what we're gonna we're gonna broaden some and of can those i just new- say by yes. the way that the worst song that has ever been recorded is the applebee's on a date oh my night God, song yeah. Just for the record, if I have to watch, I mean, I'm going to watch a lot of football this weekend, which means I'm going to see it over and over. And their stupid dancing and all that, it is awful. And I don't know who sang it. I think it's like Walker, Hayes, Jenkins, something. Whoever it is, it's awful. No offense to him because I'm sure he's your friend. No, he is not. But I had somebody send me that song in advance, and they're like, check this out. And I immediately text them, and I was like, you realize that this is going to become such an obnoxious, like, it was obnoxious first listen, now it's like, the, the number of people that I already see just begging for, like, the, you, the, you get such an idea of a song, because like, Scoop, there it is, I could see a million times, and I'm not mad about it. You I give like me, Scoop, there yeah, it is. You, I do. You, you give me, I, I like it. You give me the Applebee's commercial, I'm done. By the way, a news from Spain and Fitz Nation, Harry Taylor, one of many people to hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed with the suggestion of the one promotion that would get people into a bar to watch Texans Panthers as how about a mud wrestling contest at halftime I, I I don't understand the obsession with mud wrestling it seems like that would not be sanitary in any restaurant yeah I mean I listen I we you know we have this this uh, bar here I I haven't updated the most recent health code but I don't think they allow mud in the middle of the rest in the middle of the of the restaurant at least not in Kentucky maybe other states are different I'm, I'm all in on on like a big advertising mud can I tell you thing? real yeah. quick what I'm doing this weekend yes because please. You, Mr. Music yeah I'm going to a heavy metal festival and I've never been to a heavy metals festival it's called louder than life in Louisville Kentucky it's being headlined by Metallica Jane's Addiction, Corn, 
Um, Stained, I think, is is the Mm -hmm. name of one of the groups. I'm going because of Metallica, but I'm going to get my inner headbanging this weekend. Uh, A, that sounds absolutely amazing. I have now pulled up the... I've pulled up the the lineup. So you're going like you're going on Friday. I'm, I'm going gonna, Friday night. Okay. But they got people. I mean, they got they got great bands like all weekend. I think Snoop's coming. Yeah, uh, Nine Inch Nails. Snoop's Machine Nine Gun Inch Nails. Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Machine Gun. I I don't know about Machine Gun Kelly. He, he needs he, every time I see him, his tongue is out. I don't need that. But uh-huh. besides besides them, I'm I'm very excited because I get to see the great Metallica. I, I don't know though. You know, uh, uh, for me, there's a little portion of Metallica that makes me nervous because like I don't a <laughs> Aging, aging, aging rock stars. Like this is always my great debate on seeing Guns N' Roses live. Like I would love to see Slash live. I don't want to see Fat Axel in leather pants. Like that's just a rule well, that's for true. me. You, may, you, you, you know, you sound, you sounded like my grandma right there. Like, <laughs> Metallica makes me nervous. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, what, but I'm what just saying, like, to. like uh, okay, I was all in on the old Metallica thing till I watched a, a, a great documentary. But like, I can't watch my my metal stars go through group therapy to better communicate with each other. Like, I don't need that in my life like i need them to be angsty and mad at each other not not talking about feelings well i listen you're not a grown-up i understand people that have is. to talk about feelings including heavy metal stars heavy metal stars have feelings too and i tell you who else has feelings davis mills and they're going to get hurt if he keeps playing as poorly as he's playing right now yeah by the way the panthers are up seven nothing on the texans and uh the texans the panthers already have the ball back so uh this looks like uh, the just the the making of a good old shellacking we'll see where it goes i wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of things here as we go into the weekend because i know that you uh you like like to partake a little in the gambling. Uh, I so, do. I uh, enjoy it. You know, I, and you mentioned earlier, we'll just start by ripping the Band-Aid off on our friendship. Uh, my beloved Raiders, uh, obviously, playing Miami. Uh, are you are you in on feeling confident? Because, like, I've got too much fandom in the game for me to ever be confident betting on the Raiders. Like, I just can't do it. Are you confident yet in the Raiders as a team enough that you would be willing to place a bet on them? Right now, uh, Las Vegas yeah, is that's a, a four-point favorite. That's a stay away game for me. Looking at it, it's four points. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know what to expect from the Dolphins without with Jacoby Brissett. Maybe they, they could be better. You never know. So I, I don't really know what to, what to expect. So I would stay away. If you made me take it, I would take the Raiders probably. I think even with uh, given four. But that's one I definitely would stay away. My pick of the week is I really like the Steelers at home minus three over the Bengals. I think you know the Bengal the Steelers have not necessarily looked great on offense, especially. But the Bengals haven't won in Pittsburgh in like seventy three years. So I I I I'm going with the Steelers. I like the three points and and I like that one quite a bit. You know I also like the the over under on that according to Caesar Sportsbook. The last we have is forty three and a half. I like the under on that. Like I mean. Uh, the the Steelers' offense has been at times uh, absolutely incompetent, uh, but the Steelers' defense is very good, and I'm, I just can't get out of my head how Joe Burrow looked last week against the Bears. Like forty three and a half seems like a big number on an over under to me. I also like the the Lions eight and a, getting eight and a half at home against the Ravens. I expect the Ravens to win that game, but I actually think that game will be competitive. Uh, I. You know, they, they got blown out a little bit in the second half, but I liked the way the Lions played for a lot of the game against against the Packers, and they were sort of sneaky competitive against the 49ers. Eight and a half's a lot. 
I think that uh, the Ravens had a big win last week. This is a little bit of a letdown game. I still think they'll win, but you're giving me eight and a half. Lines are at home. I'll take it. I also like the New England uh, three points over the Saints. I mean, Saints going up to Foxborough and Jameis Winston looking as bad as he looked last week, and I just keep thinking about Bill having some time to prep for that. Like I, I have a hard time imagining that the Saints don't get beat by a touchdown in that game, so I, I actually like the three points there. The only thing that makes me hesitant on that game, I, if I had to bet it, I'd bet I'd bet the Patriots is you're going to have a couple stinkers from Mac Jones. You just are from any any rookie, and and I think the Saints will Fair score point. no 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 matter what. So I, that's why I would I'd be hesitant about that game. But if you made me bet, I'd go Patriots. What about Falcons Giants Giants three? Never points. bet a Falcons game ever. <laughs> on any, on, no, I'm being dead serious. On either side, the Falcons, the Falcons, whatever you think they're going to do, they'll do the opposite. I have bet on, in the last five years, I've probably bet on a Falcons game ten times, and I don't think I've ever won. And it doesn't matter whether I bet for them or against them. They have a way of knowing who you bet on and doing the opposite. Never. Rule number one of gambling in the NFL, never bet on a Falcons game. I had a couple of callers the other day tell me the Colts were going to kill the Titans, and then a couple of callers tell me the Titans were going to kill the Colts. That's a five-point Tennessee. Uh, they're favored by five in that. I, I kind of feel like that's not a bad – I mean, not knowing what the quarterback situation is for the Colts, I kind of like that. Yeah, I would go – I'd go Titans there because I think you're going to probably end up with Eason, and I, I would go Titans. But, again, if you hear nothing else I said in the last two hours, don't bet on the Falcons game. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.